He's blonde and bitchin'. She's sporty and sassy. Together, they're perfectly imperfect. It's Jesse and Jenna's messy podcast. Cheers! <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Joining us today is a very special guest who knows Jenna maybe as well as I do. So I think oh, you're no. in for. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've seen some drunken things that maybe Oren hasn't seen, but uh, our guest today is a model, actor, stand-up comedian. Of course he is. Oren Williamson's comedic style is quick, witty, and a touch offensive. No wonder we love him. He loves to do impressions and is known for Barack Obama. Oh, he was taking a sip. I thought he was going to give us No, something. Not, not, uh, if you want me to do it, I can, I can do it for you. But uh, I talked to Michelle, talked to the kids, and... Uh, they don't quite want it. That's borderlining Bill Cosby there too. You know that, right? Oh, what? All right. I want to separate those two black beings completely. I want to. I want to put a chasm right between the two of them. I got full. I got full Obama there. That was really good. But that's not who we want to talk to. We want to talk to Oren, who is never afraid to speak his mind, won't stop trying to make people laugh. Oren currently lives in Toronto and is constantly working to be better than you, Jenna. He's also the host of the Never Off Topic podcast and is also newly engaged. Please welcome oh, Oren Williamson. What's up, y'all? So engaged, huh? Tell us about yeah. that. Well, not just engaged, but you got engaged during COVID. I did. I did because, I mean, it's, a, it's like a full-on four-minute story. Do you want to hear the story? Yes. Wanna... Okay. All right. Here's... Okay. Um, so we were supposed to, I was supposed to do it in Barbados. We go to Barbados every year for a music festival that we love called Gooch Day. Um, but that trip got canceled for some reason. And so we were, I was just kind of sitting on this ring, like not really sure what to do with it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to throw a, a surprise, a surprise picnic, um, engagement. And the way I want it to work is Ruth and I have traveled a bunch of places together. I think we've been about 10 or 12 countries, a lot of countries. and we're just like, I was like, I'm gonna have a picnic and it's gonna have different items from my favorite restaurants, but also from different countries that we visited. And the trick would be one of those meals would be from a country that we haven't visited. And that would hopefully prompt her to be like, well, we've been to this country. And then I would say something romantic and, and she would fall in love with me. Um, so I was like, this is gonna be perfect. There are a bunch of restaurants in Toronto that have our favorite food from our favorite countries. And this is all lined up for Saturday. And I was going to get two of my friends to, to do it all for me. Like behind the scenes, plan it out. I already told them about the spot. But yo, go to each of these restaurants, figure it out. It's going to be beautiful. Um, so what's Friday now, the day before, and Saturday is looking terrible. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a picnic. It's not going to be picturesque. It's going to be terrible. And so I was like, yo, abort plan. We'll push it one day forward to the Sunday. And this entire time, like for the past couple of weeks, I've been trying to I've been like slowly pushing Ruth, like, you should go on a picnic. Oh my God, a picnic would be dope. Let's go on a picnic. And so I'm already planting the seeds from time, but hopefully she's going to get this. Um, so Sunday rolls around. Sunday's now beautiful. And so things are going perfectly, I think, but immediately things start to just, can I swear on this? Think, are we swearing a little bit? No, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So things start to fuck up. So my, the places, first of all, the places that were supposed to be open on a Saturday now, aren't open on the Sunday. So I can't get those specific things anymore. And I keep getting calls bit by bit, trying to figure out other restaurants to go to, to just to get any food. So um, a bottle of wine from France, maybe a croissant, um, 
the whole thing with the one item that we wouldn't have would be from from the Italy. We haven't been to Italy yet. It's supposed to be gnocchi, but I was like, at this point, get a pizza from Pizza Pizza. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't give a shit. Just get something that's representative of what it is. And so they're behind the scenes trying to figure that all out. Meanwhile, I Ruth's like, oh my god, uh, my friend wants to meet up, and I'm like, yo, your friend cannot want to meet us right now. This is terrible. I have to behind the scenes be like, yo, don't come. Just don't cancel my plans with you with my girlfriend. Just, just cancel them. And then Ruth's like, oh my God, we should get food as well. Her not knowing that there's a ton of food coming to her. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, food would be dope. So we go to get food. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a ton of food waiting for her. And as we pick up this food, there's a park right across the street that is a perfect park for a picnic. It just happens to not be the park and picnic that everything's being set up at, which oh. is a full-on 20-minute walk away at this point. So I don't know how it happened, but I basically convinced Ruth that I was like, yo, um, do you want to walk 20 minutes to this other place? Because we said one time we'd have a picnic here. And she, I don't know to this day, I don't know why she agreed to walk in 20 minutes with food, not knowing there's a secret thing over there. Um, if, according to Ruth, according to Ruth, I was acting very erratic and I wasn't acting myself. And she says, I know I wasn't acting myself because I wasn't being very funny. I was just being odd and stupid and just non-tangential. Just, 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 yeah, just being, yeah, exactly. Um, and we finally pull up at the spot where I think my boys are supposed to be setting this thing up. And we arrive, imagine this, there's like a, a street in the middle and on two sides are banks, right? This bank, lush, green, amazing. Tons of people are, are picnicking, it's really beautiful. And then this other side, which is like, dirty, like half green, mostly brown. There's a construction site right behind it. And my boys obviously set up <laughs> on this derelict piece of land that is just there. And I'm like, oh, fuck, whatever. As I pull up as well, they're still setting up, not knowing. But Ruth thinks like, oh my God, this, you having a picnic with you and our friends? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no, I couldn't get my story straight. I was kind of like all flushed and whatnot. Um, at the end, we just kind of sit on this blanket that they set out, and there's a bunch of food. There's a pizza, pizza box. There's pad thai. There's a bottle of a, a lot of food for two people. A lot of food, plus the food that we brought there to <laughs> hang out with. And as my friends sort of retreat a bit, I just sort of say, "Hey, uh, I want to create this secret picnic because I wanted it to be food from different places that we've been." And she rightfully was like, oh, we haven't been to Italy. And I was like, well, I would love, we've been on so many adventures. I'd love to go on more adventures with you. Um, would you Would you want to do that with me? Do you want to you be my uh, my wife? And she said that she yeah. would. She said, of course, yeah. yeah she said she That's would. amazing, so. but you made two key mistakes. Number one, <laughs> you didn't inform her friends. I, so I did inform <laughs> the friend to get vacation time for the initial for the initial vacation. I messaged her boss to make sure she could have that time off so we can go to Barbados. But then, yeah, you're right. You gotta hit up the woo girls. You know, like the woo girls, the girls that are her girls that she just randomly grabs drinks with? Those are the mm. ones you have to tell. But you only can tell them like an hour or two before everything's gonna go down because yeah. they won't be good at keeping a secret. Your second mistake, and I don't know why men insist on doing this, and I don't know if like sometime along you guys growing into men, someone told you that you should make a proposal like a trivia game. <laughs> that was just like, you had to make it a scavenger hunt. 
<laughs> too many things yeah. can go wrong if you have too many, too many pieces. Yeah, I mean, I did cut out the part where I told Ruth to go under the bridge and talk to the troll and ask me if she riddles. I probably, I probably should have cut that part out. That, that was my bad. I mean, there is a redeeming part of where we all sort of situated. Where the actual picnic was, even though it's behind a construction site, the Toronto skyline was in the background. So my buddy was taking photos as well. And that way, even though it looked like, a, even though to our eye, it looked like there may have been a construction site there, he didn't actually see it through the photos. Did you just get really uh, like people applauding for you and stuff? Um, I don't think anyone cared, to be honest. <laughs> that was kind of around the world. It wasn't like fully getting on, on one knee or anything like that. It was, it was a bit more casual than that. So I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone noticed, to be you honest. You should have done it during the protest. Yeah, I, I thought about that. Now, <laughs> I mean, if I waited, if I if I did, if I knew the world was gonna wake up, I would have definitely waited. Yeah, right. Another mistake. I think he should have had a gay set up the scene, and then he wouldn't have had on the dirty grass. We would have known better. That I um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been. I don't want to go into stereotypes. He would have had shit in order, though. It, it would have been. It would have been on point. But you yeah. know what's interesting is when you say she said you were acting erratically. I was gonna say she didn't fight you and walk in the other part because she knew. Girls always know. No. Nope. So I thought she knew, and to be honest, she said that she may have had it. But I think just because of the way it, the actual reaction happened, and everything else, I think she only really kind of clued in in the last twenty-five minutes. Because you have to think about something too. This is someone who I've been dating for four years basically and so at any point in that time last year she could not let it slip but she's like I thought maybe last year you're gonna do it in Barbados and we went to Barbados when I didn't do it I think she was kind of like oh I guess it's kind of never coming and I've really tried to try to play that even while we were in quarantine she's like oh my god we should have a quarantine wedding this is I haven't proposed to her yet she's just like we should have a quarantine wedding <laughs> and I'm like that is stupid that's the dumbest thing and she got mad at me. She got like actual mad at me because I was like putting down this quote unquote good idea that we should get married in, uh, in quarantine. So it'd be a hell of a lot cheaper to get married in quarantine. That's for sure. 1,000%. And also, you know, when you get married, I mean, if you guys choose to get married and everything else, um, people just keep giving you free shit for all people have sent us everything under the sun and we haven't gotten married yet. And I think, I think it's because they know of the impending bad financial decision I'm about to make with this wedding. So he wouldn't <laughs> give you free shit, man. He wouldn't give you free, free it's, it's great. It's fantastic. Hey, Jenna, there's a publicity stunt for us. We should try that move. Try to get, pretend we're getting married yeah. and then just <laughs> break in the free shit. No, <laughs> I like that. You go away and then you guys start causing a scene. Um, I think I saw him with another boy. I think I saw her with another boy. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's we do the dramatic reveal of like, you cheated on me, no, you cheated on me, like at the altar. <laughs> oh, I like that. Full slap. We we'll just happen to have cameras around all the time. <laughs> so here's something funny is like, when I was reading your fabulous intro, Oren, uh, I mentioned yeah. that Jenna knows you well, and we didn't explain how, but uh, I think it's so funny that when you asked, can you swear, Jenna's choice was, hell yes. <laughs> What a naughty girl, right? But that might be your radio background coming to haunt you. And that's how you guys met, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, a few years ago, we were both working in, um, in Niagara Falls. We were sent there to essentially revamp this shithole of a station. Um, and, and they kind of brought me in because I'm a comedian and like 
not much, not much. You're good looking. No, just fucking uh, say it, Orin. You're good yeah, looking. Yeah, but come on. How, how good looking do I have to be to save a radio station? Yeah. Remember, you can't see my face in this entire thing. It has to come through my voice, and it was not coming through. And also, like, to be, to, listen, I'm a, I'll be honest with myself. I wasn't very good in the beginning because radio has all these archaic rules, of course, on language and how you speak and all that kind of stuff, but also in format and all sort of stuff. And I'm coming from a world of comedy where like the only rules you have to follow are just to be funny. Like if you're funny, it'll translate no matter what. And that was always my goal. But they're like, listen, your breaks have to be 30 seconds. Like you can't talk about shit in 30 seconds. <laughs> you, you, you cannot talk about it. You're like, Where's the banter? What's happening? Why would someone want to tune in for 30 seconds? And if they miss that 30 seconds, they're not getting anything else. It was really, truly this archaic system. That being said, after two years or however, however long you were like, I said two years for me, Jenna was like, yo, let me find a job immediately and get the hell out of Dodge. I ain't doing this in Niagara Falls. I, had a, I did honestly have a blast getting to learn people in Niagara Falls. I think the, I think the community in Niagara Falls was dope. I, I knew the mayor on a first name basis. Like, Jim Diodati. Jim Diodati. You, you talk to these people. I live right in front of the city hall. The community there is something I've never truly experienced. I've been growing up in like relatively big cities. And so to have that there was awesome. But man, man, what a dump. That Thank you. Holy shit. I say that oh. all the time, Warren, when people are like, oh, so like, out of all the places you've lived for radio, what'd you hate the most or all the places you've lived? I'm like, not Southern Alabama. No, 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 no. I hated Niagara Falls. I was like, it's so not what you think it is. Yeah, but once again, I do have to straight this. I, where we lived too was easily the most derelict place of, <laughs> of the falls. And like, not just because of us. Be, no, 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 no. We, we made that place nasty, but it was already garbage before we got there. But the thing is, you don't know, you bike, drive 10 minutes away, you're in the gorge. You're like, oh, this doesn't exist in many places on earth. Or you drive down to the water Lake Erie and you go to like, um, uh, even one of the campsites, you're like, okay, this place has so much love and charm and community. It's hard not to love the actual people there, but man, man, it is. We did yeah, get it, into it brought trouble me back once. To comedy. We did Pardon get me? into trouble once though. And we reminisced a bit about it yesterday. Born and I, we did a show together for a very short period of time, I think. And um, we were talking about the Junos and Dallas Green from, sorry, what band is that again? Uh, City and Color. City and Color, thank you. Dallas Green and City and Color, they just pulled out of the Junos performing. And, you know, I, we went on in air and said, that's kind of bullshit. And I bet you it has something to do with money or the fact he wasn't nominated for his first solo album. We got a phone call from his mother. Oh, that's awesome, though. Bitching us yeah, out it, on air. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a cool call. Once again, we're part of a station that wants to be something. We want, to, we want people to call in. We want people to notice us. It's one of those things where like, even if someone does notice you, you're just really, really happy for it. I mean, this wasn't the way we wanted to get noticed, of course. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> you know what, though? And, and like, I wanted to play it so bad. But oh, you we didn't even air We it? weren't allowed to, because oh. again, like you said, all these things that go on in radio, you can, you can't, you don't want to piss off the talent. I was like, at the end of the day, I mean, that would have been gold. That could have made BuzzFeed for fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah, Dallas Green's mob. I don't know. It's, I learned so much after, after being there. I mean, I learned so much about myself and that I wanted to do comedy full time that I needed to move back to Toronto and that 
yeah, I needed to kind of change my life. And without going to Niagara Falls and sort of things, and that being said, like, I met you, Jenna, I met, uh, I met uh, DePaula, I met uh, me and Elliot, uh, our Australian guy we brought over, I met him, we're still really good friends. Like, uh, like, I met so many people who I still really, really enjoy. And if the, maybe the true tragic side is, if they had just truly gotten their act together and really wanted to think outside the box and really wanted to be number one, and really want to put money towards something and make these cool ideas happen, we could have had just a killer, a killer show, but right. oh, where's my wine? That's yeah. Every single station is never just one. That's kind of the problem with radio in general, you know? Well, it's interesting though, Orrin, you said, you know, this station you were at wanted to be something and be controversial or get noticed. And the station we were on said the same thing. And that's partly why I won the talent search is because I was a stand-up, and our GM at the time was like, oh, we love that you're sassy. When I won the contest, I made a fat joke about okra on air and the GM <laughs> loved it. He's like, that's what we love. But of course, a couple weeks into our show, they're like, eh, you need to dial it back. You're too sassy. You're too controversial. Now they want me to go to the opposite end of why I got the job. So they don't know what the hell they want. They don't. And man, there's so many instances like, hey, man, we love the way you are. Just don't do that online. You're like, what, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we, what are we doing at this point? I remember... This is a simple idea, right? This one's for free. And it was, hey, if we're going to give out teeth, if we're going to give out shirts for a radio station, no one is going to willingly wear your nasty, stupid shirt in public if they don't have to. Like, it's just not going to happen. You're, you're not, it's, stop, it's not a collaboration with Supreme and Louis Vuitton. This is a gilded, extra large shirt. And so I was like, you know what we, you know what we need to do? The only time people ever wear our shirts, really, at the gym it's a gym shirt that's what we got so why don't we just like skip a step let's just make shirts out of gym material like whatever the dry fit whatever it is. it's going to cost us what a dollar more per shirt and people are going to wear it and we're free branding at basically every gym where people go out to wolf runs and everything else and they were like well it's a it's a dollar more i was like you you don't get it you you are so far in not getting these ideas that i i'm i don't i was like i brought them the idea of doing a podcast Let's be raw. Let's have whatever. And they were like, "No, no, we don't not run on." This is how many years ago? Eight years ago. Joe Rogan wasn't even Joe Rogan yet, and we're right? trying to put up, trying to put up some content, and they didn't want to. They want to go for it. But oh, I could commiserate all day on radio. But <laughs> that's the problem. It's very easy to, but there is something that's so special about, it, and I always say the people there and the amount that you can give back to the community you're living in is like mm -hmm. what makes radio special and what keeps these people working so hard, giving up their lives for it and getting paid jack shit. You know, it's that's just like any passion. It's just like comedy. It's entertaining. It's bringing joy into people's lives. Yeah. If people, if people have found out how much radio personalities get paid, I think they would audibly laugh out loud. Right. I think they would be like, oh, that's, no, I mean, no, no, you don't. They would, <laughs> they, they would honestly, they would honestly call, I don't know, who would you call? What, what do you guys have an auto on? You call somebody in the government that deals with someone getting paid under the table as if I'm, as if I'm the, a drug dealer. That's what, that's, it's, uh, it's crazy. I'm, 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 yeah. Maybe some of us do sell drugs when we're working <laughs> on radio for some extra cash. <laughs> Listen, that's the only time I condone selling drugs when if you're in radio and if you want to make people happy. Gotta yeah, eat. I don't know. Yeah. You can only <laughs> yeah, get so eat. many free like McDonald's on him McHappy days, you know? Exactly. And sell one of the good ones. Don't sell any of the mess or anything like that. Sell like the Coke and sell like the ecstasy. <laughs> sell, the, sell some acid. 
No, no, no. Not the ones that are truly destructive. No, 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 no. I'm putting my hand down here. Only sell the party ones. But then you'll dip into your own stash and that just yeah. never goes right, Orin. <laughs> That's true. Take That's it from true. me, guys. Just sell your body like everybody else. You know? <laughs> Works exactly. like a charm. <laughs> so how you doing in quarantine? Do you live with your fiance? Like, do you live together? We, yeah, yeah, we live together. Um, we're, not, we're not Amish or anything weird. Yeah, we live together and she's, uh, she's dope. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I tell her all the time. I made a, <laughs> I made a proposal of engagement, but you can, you can renege on that all you want. Like, there's, there's no contract here. If you live with me this period. I have, a, I have a theory though. I have a theory about like quarantine and why people maybe hate being together for so long and everything else. And I think it comes back to travel. I think the reason why I knew Ruth and I are gonna make it very long, like a long time ago when we first started traveling together was because in your regular day life, right? You and your partner, if you have a kid, whatever it might be, you, the amount of decisions you make that involve your partner actually aren't really that many because when you go to work, you're making all your decisions for work and everything else. When you come home, for sure, maybe take the kids out or maybe it's dinner time, what time you're going to sleep, maybe what you're going to wind down with at night. But for the most part, most of your decisions, or at least half the decisions in your day, aren't with your other person. When you're in quarantine or when you're on vacation together, every single decision you make is with that other person. What time are you getting up? Where are you going? Who's taking a shit? I, I already took one. Okay, you can go in there now. What are we doing for breakfast? What, what things are we going to go see? Can we see the monkeys? No. You said we see the rhinos. Like, you know, like every little bit of information has to be transferred to the other person. And if you don't have that skill set while you're living with somebody, quarantine is just going to exacerbate that. It's not going to work out. And so because we had this training, we're able to kind of, you know, we're able to live and, and coexist. And um, we kind of found a space that's going to make things work. And we're also not afraid to, um, to take separate time. Like, we'll be in the same room. I'll put my AirPods, she puts her AirPods, and we'll listen to two different podcasts, and we're like coexisting beside each other and just not worrying about every waking moment being with that other person. Right. Living to coexist, mm -hmm. it's so simple yet so difficult for some people. And you're right, mm -hmm. maybe traveling is, if you want to test your relationship right now, go traveling together. If you want to know if that's Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Well, maybe a weekend, yeah. short trip. A short trip. Short trip, short yeah. Trip. Case you need to abort mission real quick, you know? Yeah. I mean, and or, yeah, because you, you kind of, maybe do an Airbnb in the city and like fly yourselves with enough alcohol where you have to have true relationships and true conversations. Right. I mean, I mean, one of the, one of the things that made me truly open my eyes, actually, this was, this was ties into Niagara Falls. Um, I was so stressed. I was in a relationship I didn't, I didn't want to be in. I didn't feel valued in it. Um, I was in a job that I just didn't feel creatively expressive in in radio. And I was in a place that wasn't creatively stimulating and I wasn't getting any enjoyment out of it. So do you, do you guys remember when the Way Home Festival happened? The Way, Way Home Festival, was that ever a thing in Ottawa? So it was a big festival happened outside of, um, outside of Toronto, actually in Aurelia, or it's called Burl Oak or whatever it's called. Anyway, this massive festival. The first year, the headliners were Sam Smith, Neil Young, and Kendrick Lamar. Wow. This shit was popping. I can't remember the years ago it was, but yeah first year way home so I bought tickets the second they came I was like I gotta go to this thing gotta go to this thing I ended up going and my only rule was I'm I'm going to take any drug anybody gives to me it's a, it's a crazy <laughs> thing yeah I was like whatever people give to me I'm gonna do it and um so I'm not pretty tame like I had like a weed cookie and I was like ah I have a weed cookie whatever it is uh but I had some shroomies and that shit was 
fantastic. It right? was unbelievable. Had a really wonderful experience. And then then the magic happened. Someone gave me some uh, some some MDMA, some that pure crystal. And I I honestly had this this epiphany. I could not not see the truth. The truth was like in front of me. It's like I never felt so good. I never felt more alive, but I've never felt more out of place. And I was thinking to myself, like, something is different. And I kept telling myself the truth. This overwhelming feeling of truth kept coming out. And I got back to Niagara Falls and uh, broke up that, off that relationship, quit the job, and then moved back to Toronto. Like, all after the span of doing drugs one weekend. And I've, and I've never regretted it. It's been everything. And it, le- it led, me to, led me to Ruth and my current career path. And so Maybe it, that's why they're trying to make those other drugs, mushrooms and MDMA legal. Or, L- or LSD and acid, right? right? That's the one I always hear about being the one that opens your mind to the universe. I hadn't heard that about MDMA. I mean, I've had some sex I think on it's, MDMA. I think it's the combination. Right? It's yeah, combination. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jenna, we're talking about sex and drugs right now. Right, I haven't had that in a long time. I remember what that feels like. <laughs> But it is that combination, they, they call it hippie tripping, apparently, of MDMA yeah, mushrooms. Oh. That... Yeah, or, or hippie flip is what they also call it. Right. Um, there's a great book I'm reading right now called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. And it's a New York Times bestseller. A lot of people are reading it right now. But it's a very interesting historical look and also into a modern context as to how these illicit substances have only really been super positive, but also really illegal. Right. And yeah. not even with like like actually legally being able to look into them, right? Like legally being exactly. able to determine them. Like right now, use marijuana as an example. Yeah, everyone knew it had healing benefits before. Everyone liked it. They enjoyed it. But now that it can be actually like government tested and studied, now people are yeah. like, oh, people that hated it before are like, oh, I can use it for my headaches or my back aches or my cramps and now it's okay because the government yeah. yeah it's okay we'll test it and explore it bitch it's been explored it's been explored you know what you know what the most irritating part of it is in toronto our former police chief was named julian fantino julian fantino was a police chief and was cracking down and locking up a whole lot of black and brown indigenous people in the city for things like marijuana just like marijuana stuff right this this motherfucker gets gets to be, I think he's an MP now, an MPP, whatever, he's in government now, he's an MPP, and is now, in, was basically in charge of rolling out how the OCS deals with weed, and now, and he has storefronts of this sort of thing, it's like, you went from demonizing and policing this thing to profiting it in the span of what, six years, seven years, you're like, you, is this kind of fucked up, because like, you knew this was wrong at the time, you knew this was going to change, and then you still, you still did those things and so i think you're right i think as long as as long as it eventually gets to the people i'm happy but let's not let's not have a short history on these sort of things because yeah a lot of people have suffered for it to get to where it is right now and also let's enjoy them before they're regulated (laughs) yeah i mean i'm only now becoming a pothead which i wish i wish we smoked more weed back in the day yeah because listen jen i know you partake i kind of wish that i uh I was more that I'm now becoming more of a cannabis user now that I'm like 33. I probably have if I have it every day. I'm still very much working on who I who I'm gonna be. Right. Well, you know, I think it's a North America thing, this drug like prohibition, because you have you can go on ayahuasca retreats in like, you know, some village somewhere far away. I've read books about it. So it's a North America mm-hmm. thing. We're we're behind with the drugs. 
1,000%. I mean, once again, I, I think it's coming in our lifetime. I think all these things are going to be stripped away slowly but surely in our lifetime. And in fact, I'd be curious to see what happens in the next 10 years. We have psilocybin studies going on right now. There's a couple MDMA studies in the States for PTSD and whatnot. And so as these things become more and more mainstream, I think it's going to be good. Plus, like, everyone who's ever had a cottage has done shrooms. So I'm like, like quit, quit your bullshit. We, we know what's going on. We know, um, y- y'all know the deal. And I know MDMA used, back in the day, it was used to treat postpartum disorder. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be mad after taking some MDMA. How do you shit? Yeah, you <laughs> can't be on E and hate babies. <laughs> yeah, you're out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. All, all you want, all you want is your baby and some house music. That's all you, that's all you need. Also, here's my most fascinating thing about MDMA instead of PTSD and whatnot therapy. I always thought that because you have more euphoric, so you get to say whatever you want. It, I think the actual benefit is once you're on it in a, in a controlled setting with someone who knows how to sort of do this sort of thing, um, it just allows you to open up more and talk about it. You still have to do the therapy part to it. It's not just you pop it and you're good to go. It's like, oh no, you pop it to start digging deep and start talking about it. Yeah. It has to be that paired with therapy. <laughs> then, then at that point, ravers would be the happiest people in the world right now. And, I, and I'm not entirely sure if they are or aren't, but. It's yeah. true. There's such a therapy aspect to it. You never <laughs> do a drug like that and not have a good conversation with at least a stranger, if not your best friend. <laughs> Oh, for sure. If, if you're a stranger and I'm on MDMA, watch out because we're having a conversation about <laughs> something dumb. I probably just liked your shoes because it made me, it glittered in my eyes. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. I'm on board. I have a sip of your drink. You have a sip of my, I mean, not now with COVID, but shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Oren. So we talked about your radio career. We also know you're a model, you're an actor, you're a stand up. Which one yeah. of all those art forms is your favorite and why can't you leave something for the rest of us? Um, yo, I'm just too greedy. That's why. Um, so maybe I'll give a bit more history on it and then I can, then it might help with what it, where I'm kind of going. Uh, I've always loved acting. Uh, I went to theater school. So, um, I went to University of Toronto, Mississauga and Sheridan College. And sort of through that, I kind of was more idealistic. Oh my God, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to do all these sort of things. And, um, it just didn't, it didn't shoot off the way I wanted it to. A, I wasn't very good at a theater school. Like being on camera, I just wasn't a very good actor. And no one told me this. It was just, I was funny, but I wasn't very good. Um, and I'd always loved theater, the part of theater part, but I, I didn't love how archaic it was. Like, I just don't think anyone needs another version of a Shakespearean play. Like do it differently, but like, I don't have to go to Stratford to go see Macbeth. Like I've seen it. Like <laughs> the performance is not gonna blow me away. Like it's, it's, and if it is, you're in the same sort of, I don't know, I didn't feel like it was a distinct enough difference. And um, a buddy of mine was, uh, was putting on a show uh, in North York, North of the city, and I would go to his show um, constantly. And it was a stand-up show. He brought on some of the best comics in Toronto. People have gone on now to do some really big things. And I was fascinated by it. I had always been a student of comedy. I'd always like loved it, taking it all in. Uh, Dave Chabot, Chris Rock, obviously, um, Eddie Murphy, uh, Richard Pryor, like in it. And this was the first time where I saw these amazing comics in my city. I paid nothing for this show. And at the same time, I saw people who were bombing, like just bombing. But the whole difference was like, man, I could do that. The only difference was between me and that person bombing was that that person had the nerve to go up on stage. And I was like, you know what? I think I can do this and do that way. 
at the same time, just, just really coincidentally, um, I was tour guiding in Montreal. Somebody had basically said uh, I should model. And um, I ended up finding an agency in Toronto, a fairly large agency. They took me on and that sort of started it. So I'd never really truly committed to one thing. It was always sort of this omnipresent, which of these things is going to take on. But the one that I definitely couldn't shake was comedy. It just became something I wanted to do every single night. I wanted to hit as many open mics as possible. I wanted to make as many people laugh. And I think comedy is the one thing that's really, really changed the way that I think about the world and think about things. Um, and I think that's the biggest part of who I am because when, when my face goes to shit and my body is, I don't have my six pack anymore, I think the thing that's going to sort of live on is hopefully these philosophies that I want to instill. And with, with comedy came, came music. I've always written music, written music since I was a kid. And um, I've been able now to infuse my passion of, of music with comedy to make these really dumb songs that people, people like and hopefully, hopefully it can make people think a bit more. You know, comedy is getting a pretty bad rap right now with Chris Delia coming yeah. out as being a pedo and people are always <laughs> talking about how like comedians are sad, depressed, degenerates, confused. But the one thing it isn't is ageist. Like it's almost like the funnier looking and the older you are, and like you almost get an advantage because that quirkiness adds an element of hilarity to your jokes. Yeah, Justin, what do you think? Well, as long as you keep your, your quickness, like that's what Joan Rivers' big fear was. The minute I, I, my timing's off, like get the hook and pull me on. So, but that's when you're getting really old. I think you're right. The yeah. looks don't matter so much. I agree. And once again, it's just, it has to be funny. Like it, you could laugh to yourself about it a thousand times, but if you do it on stage and you don't get laughed, it's not, it's not funny. And like, don't get me wrong. I, there's, there's material that I don't touch just because a, I don't need to say anything about it, like abortion or like women's rights. Like those things aren't, I don't need to make jokes about those sort of things, but that's not in my wheelhouse. And also I don't think people care what I have to say about those things. They're also the highest bar of difficulty to clear. So if you don't have a really well-written, well-thoughtful and like progressive joke on these things, it's not gonna be funny. It's like getting your license, like your G1, and thinking you can drive a Formula One car. You, you can't do it, man. Like you're, you're going to crash. You're going to burn, and so. And um, how are you gonna? How are you gonna make a joke about something that you can't experience yourself? You're not a like, yeah. right? It would be like me trying to make jokes about being a black woman or a black man. Like, why? I, mean, I have no right fair, to what, on that. I mean, when when you did do that set about being a black man, I thought it was wrong when you did it <laughs> in the past. I I, uh, I don't think you should, I don't think you should reprise your blackface show. That was really odd for all of us. I didn't have the nerve to tell you back then. I have the voice or the words to tell you. Orange, but, shut up. We're trying to keep okay. that quiet. We don't need that coming oh, out right now. That's my bad. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> You're right. Like, yeah. and you have to put your personal, not biases, but your personal preferences aside. Like, I don't care who knows it. I still love fat jokes. I think they're funny, but you can't tell yeah. them anymore. And when I started comedy, I had a whole bit about like fat and I had to like take a bunch of it out because it, it's a no-go zone, like women's stuff and, you know, stuff like that now so you have to be able to remove your own like bias and preference from it yeah i also think that uh, people as they get older you think about it now like i hate updating my phone what makes you think when i'm 50 or 60 i'm gonna want to update my thoughts and be as progressive like you hate doing those things but the best comedians that are still older and they're still doing it are the ones that are in tune the ones that are constantly reading that know the news know the lingo those are the ones that we love to hear from even in their old age but like, 
I just don't expect them to have the clearest, most progressive view if that's, if that's not kind of hardwired into them, you know? Well, maybe that's your theater background that helps you with being able to adapt and you're willing to change, not your character, but like your material to fit your audience. Because I have a theater background too. I went to Humber College, got kicked out because they said I was too like contemporary. I'd never make it in theater because I was too Hollywood, which at the time I was like the biggest compliment ever. My parents were furious, but just to your point about theater being sort of outdated and not willing to update the type of people there allowing into it but when I started doing stand-up I felt like it was almost easier than theater because you're doing six eight minutes on stage it's the same yeah. act over and over again and other comics would be like oh my god this is so hard and I'm like have you ever done an hour and a half play like where you have way more lines and way more directions to remember so in a lot of ways theater made comedy a bit easier I found did you think yeah, that I think so yeah I, I think the biggest thing for me was just like stage presence people get scared on stage and I just don't get scared on stage I just like I'm it's my, it's where I'm the most comfortable. I can sleep on that stage. I can eat off that stage. Like I love being there. So I don't really have a, I don't, I'm, I'm never scared of it. And also too, just having confidence. Just like, if I know what I'm going to say, it is so much easier. Um, but so part of my, part of my, uh, my show right now that I do when, especially when I, when I'm on stage is I have an entire song that I improv with you. I'll be like, Hey, what's your name? Jesse. What do you do? I have a podcast. Um, what's the worst part about your job? Like, ask ah, my friend Jenna. She she gets too drunk, and then um, then she always claws my face. It's really odd. She pretends to be a cat. It's really, it's really and we just met. Like, it's like, like you know me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'll, then I'll make a random song. I'll make a song of a button on the spot for you. Um, and part of that too is just like knowing that the power of the stage, knowing that I can create a song for you in a matter of moments that is, is relatable, it's enjoyable, hopefully it's funny, you see me doing that and then you sort of appreciate what this thing can bring to the world. Not me personally, but what being on stage in front of people can sort of bring to people. And I don't know, it's also live. With radio, you don't see anybody, right? Your only reaction is if you have a, your producer, somebody, your, your co-host in front of you. When it's live, you get that energy. There's truly nothing like it. There's truly nothing like seeing a show live. You can't beat it. Well, Oren doesn't know this about me, but I frequent comedy shows often, especially at Yak Yak, where Jesse always is. And um, you know how you mentioned being too drunk? Well, I never make it to the end of the show. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, that makes sense. She's not wrong. <laughs> There's no punchline. <laughs> There's no punchline. Yeah. I, I, I just get drunk. You're like, oh. <laughs> I get drunk and I leave. <laughs> So, um, you know, social media is a big part of quarantine right now. You're very active yeah. on Instagram. What is your Instagram mm -hmm. handle? Instagram handle is Oren Williamson. And there's two features that we're loving on your Instagram right now. One of them uh, is Fashion Fridays. Are oh, you still doing that? I have not done Fashion Fridays in forever. But oh, I'm like, oh, I love it. I was it. like, are you still doing that? We need to bring it back because as I was creeping him, I'm like loving every picture I clicked on was a Fashion Friday. And I'm like, obviously I'm like attracted to these Fashion Friday posts. You have style, Oren. Yeah, so Fashion Friday was, so that was born out of me being a model, but also being on radio when no one could see what I was wearing. And people typically dress down for Fridays because I had a corporate job. So I thought I would dress up because once again, no one can see me and I posted online. It's been such a crazy evolution. My fashion, I'm very, um, what's the word? Eclectic. Um, I, eclectic is part of it, but it, what's that word where like synesthetic, like, synesthetic. like I, 
one of the one of the features of a version of synesthesia is that you take on the persona or the thoughts or the pieces of people that you're around. Like it's almost like hey, when you get a bunch, like Jenna a bunch and of I are still trying to figure out what like, that word means. <laughs> oh, okay. So so um, have you ever heard someone say that they can like oh I can like taste color and I can like um, who the I can fuck see do you hang <laughs> You need to stop like, going to these festivals on mushrooms and MDMA. These are right. Okay, if you look up synesthesia, like you'll synergy. see Kanye West has it. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's when you when senses don't exactly. Uh, oh, okay. Up. But it's also one of those things where you, it's almost like osmosis, you take on features of other people. There's, synesthesia is a large, broad category for a lot of things. Those are just the most common ones for it. Um, and so I think for so long, when I was in, when I was in, when I was modeling, I'm modeling all this like regular shit. I'm in like Hugo Boss and then like at Walmart, but like in their own world, Hugo Boss isn't like super forward thinking, just make really nice clothes. And Walmart, Makes clothes for your dad. Like they're not doing anything crazy or obscure. It's not. It wasn't really fashion, but that's all I kind of knew. Like knew, and so my my focus was kind of like on like that. It's like kind of what I thought was good fashion, but it's just kind of like I don't know. If a dad read a GQ article once, that's basically what my fashion <laughs> thing was at the moment. And then now, since since kind of moving to Toronto, I'm moving back to Toronto, and like going to shows, being like really looking into like art and art direction and how shows are put together and how these how these massive fashion houses pick their things and like seeing couture shows and watching hours and hours of it and like really getting to the granular part of it i'm not entirely sure where my where my fashion sits but i'd like things to be different and expressive and i don't like wearing the same thing twice all the time i like things that are i, I, I want to wear like lulu pants with like a supreme top and wear like some beat up chucks or you know, I like wearing, I like high socks, but um, I have, I got a pair of a thrifted Ferragamo loafers and I want to wear it with my Carhartt vest. Like, I like putting these different pieces together, not quite street, not quite runway, not quite formal, not quite any sort of things. I like, I like cool, fun, interesting, well-made products. And I like it cheap. I love to thrift. Thrifting is my, it's my, is my thing. If I could thrift for a living, I totally would. Just not Walmart. We draw the line. Well, that's not that's brand new, straight from China. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I, I still, I still work with Walmart. I still, I love Walmart. Oh, he's the biggest yeah. fan. Not the clothes, <laughs> but everything else. There we go. If if you go to the Walmart website right now, I think I might be the face of men's polos. Is it yeah. green? Is the polo green? Uh, I. If you're thinking of the one I'm thinking of, then yeah, yeah bring it up. Oh my God, I, I seriously think I've seen you, if not on the website, in the store. I'm there every second day, Oren. I swear to God, I'm like light bulb now. I recognize your hair, everything. Yeah. He's wearing a green t-shirt. I'm gonna take a picture am, of it. Next time I'm there. I am in store, I am in store, so that. that yes, you sense. are, in a green fucking t-shirt. I can't believe this, this is amazing. Oh my God, yeah. rename this episode, Walmart model speaks out. <laughs> well, as I'm looking for you, I noticed that they've expanded their, um, their roster to feature many people of color, not just like the one. Yeah. Is that him? There you are. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at you. Hopefully they pay well, they've got money. Um, listen, I'm not complaining. 
Definitely not conflated. Well, in all, Walmart is like one of those brands that you can graduate with the older you get, you know? You'll always <laughs> look good in those men's polos, Oren. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's amazing. Okay, so Fashion Friday, he knows what's up. The other feature caught Jenna's attention. Oh, which was uh, Oren Drinks Too Much. <laughs> Oren Drinks Too Much, yeah. I'm going to start another one called Oren Smokes Too Much, but for now, I'm not, I don't know as much about cannabis as I do about, um, as I do about alcohol. So I, wait a minute, is the smoking too much related to your lack of six pack? Yeah, uh, yes it is, yes it is, yeah. But you will still be able to be a Walmart model. Yeah. <laughs> I will, if they keep bringing me back, oh, Orange, I think Orange graduated to the dad class. Yeah, George, put him in George. Yeah, let him up. And no matter how fat you get, they've got up to like five or six X, I think. So yeah, 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 they're good. I mean, I'm listen once again. I will not disparage the hand that is currently feeding me. I will. <laughs> they, they can do no wrong in my eyes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So but, wait, yeah. wait, what is the orange drinks too much? I just, too yeah, much. we're gonna get yeah. to the. Meeting. You just get there and drink, don't you? Talk to yourself. Uh, so yes and no. This is something I've been actually working on for years. And then when the production fell through, I just was going to do it myself. So I basically planned and pitched this and was going to make it a big production. And it was supposed to be a show to introduce people to drinks, different spirits and everything else, give a bit of history on it so people sort of know what it's like, where it came from, what it means. Um, and, then, and then also hopefully pitch these products to people who might actually want to drink these things. Because as much as we think we know about alcohol, there's an entire world of spirits and that's not even touching wine, it's not even touching beer. And I want to make these things way more approachable just because I've, I was a bartender for, geez, 12 years, like just forever, um, with a lot of seminars and a lot of people in the industry. So I wanted to make it that, uh, but I also wanted to make it entertaining, of course. Let's make some jokes, let's, let's shoot the shit, let's, you know, let's, let's be funny and get some entertaining. And that's, that's what it came from. It's, it's or almost, drinks too much and, It's almost yeah. like drunk history, but drunk history of alcohol. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And considerably less famous people. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's a good service, though, because I'll cop to the fact that I know shit about alcohol. And when you get to a certain age and you don't learn, you feel uncool not knowing. So, like, how many drinks have you had to explain to me, Jenna, when I'm like, what's vermouth? You know, like, I had no clue. Yeah. And so I think you're probably helping more people than you realize. Yeah, and I think, too, I think, so it's always going to come from my, my the history of my life and everything else. It's one of those things that you have to learn to navigate as you get older. It's almost like the things that universities should have taught us. It's like, here is how you conduct yourself when you're dealing with a CEO or people of this rarefied air. You have to know how to talk wine. You have to know how to talk scotch and like cigars and cars. So these like little bits of information where if you can, if you can talk to somebody at that level, they immediately connect and like, oh, I'm not dealing with somebody like this. So he knows his, he knows his wine. He knows his scotch, whatever it might be. And so, that is where a lot of my, where the impetus came to learn all this. And then, I kid you not, drinking is my favorite thing to do. I love it more than anything. It is, it is, oh my God. And, side note, I'm taking a break from it right now. I'm taking like, I hit, I hit the booze so hard during quarantine. I was like, I was, I was making up reasons. I was like, ah, we have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drink. It was like the dumbest shit. Like, and, and at a point, I was like, oh man, um, I, I felt bloated. I felt like I'd been drinking too much. And then I made a decision probably about a month ago to just cut it for a bit. And I also think if you learn anything, learn this. I think we always need 
to reevaluate our relationship with alcohol. I think it's a very important thing that not, not a lot of people do. And we're fortunate. Weekly, weekly yeah. However you do it. We're, we're just fortunate that like we have the social structure and like just the brain chemistry where we're not full on addicted to this thing where we can cut it out when not. There are people who just, who can't, who have a disease, who cannot turn it off, who can't just have the one drink and everything else. And so it's always important to me to be like, okay, is this thing still serving me? Is it, is it still taste the way I want it to taste? Am I just doing it to get drugs? If I am, all right, how am I doing it? Is it being destructive? Can I still do it? Like, I, I think about these things all the time and I don't, I don't fault anyone for drinking. I don't, I mean, I celebrate people drinking all the time. Um, and I, I, was, I always want to sort of reevaluate how, how is it still benefiting my life? And if it is. Well, you're overthinking too much because you're smoking too much pot too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. What was, sorry, I blanked out for a second. What did I just talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> So what we like to do on these comedian episodes is get your take on some of the weird news out in the world right now. And you know, there's a lot of it. Yeah. So uh, usually I just read like headlines and then we get you to say something funny, but I actually have a fully fleshed out news story for the first one because oh. I think it's crazy. And I want to know if you've ever done anything like this. So it's called mm -hmm. passive aggressive revenge. Bum, bum, bum. We've all worked with people that are passive aggressive. You know, those emails. When they start with just your name, like Oren, comma, no hi, no hello. Like, or the worst it. one, I don't mean to sound racist, but, oh. or I don't want to sound like a dick, but, uh, but I'm fully going to sound like a dick. Like a dick, yeah. yeah. So here's what happened. There's a woman in Australia. Uh, she went through a McDonald's drive-thru over the weekend. The line was super long. And as she was placing her order, a woman in the car behind her started honking because she wasn't being fast enough. Honk, honk, hurry up. The woman who was placing her order says, quote, I thought to myself, I'm going to take the high road. So when I paid for my food, did you just fart? No, I, my hips really sore. Sorry, I had to move it. <laughs> okay. So the woman's like getting honked at. She's like, I'm going to take the high road. So when she's at the first window paying, she paid for the honking woman's order. Really nice, right? Yeah, like a passive aggressive fucking bitch. Like I'm going to kill you with kindness. Well, when the woman who honked got to the drive-thru window and found out her order was paid for, she leaned up the window, waved and mouthed, thank you, obviously embarrassed um, that, you know, she was super rude, and then the woman repaid her with kindness. But there's more, and this is where it gets awesome. So the woman who placed the order and paid for the honkers says when she got to the second window, she showed both receipts and took her food too. So the honking woman had to go all the way back to the line and start again. My See, hero. you know, I'm a fan of being petty, and that is one of the pettiest things you can do to someone, because you know how crazy people go for, over for McDonald's. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was awesome. I don't know if it all makes sense, Lauren, because Jennifer... No, that makes sense. Yo, listen, I love, I love petty. I don't love doing it, because it's not who I am as a person, but when someone does some petty bullshit, or something that's like the long petty, when they do something that's obviously taking way more effort it's like it's truly now out of sight those are those are the stories where i'm like oh i i love getting to that place also i think the thing that's forgotten here is that i i don't think the horn is we need to, we haven't updated the horn ever and it only does it, it's supposed it's supposed to have all these functions right not only supposed to like say hey hurry up it's supposed to be hey you're in danger right Hey, what's up to my buddy? Um, it's supposed to have all these functions, but really it's just one sound. You don't know what somebody means by it. You can be like, hey, 
we were, Ruth and I were biking and someone honked at us. And we're like, we got to a stop, like, hey man, what'd you honk at? He's like, hey, I'm not sure if you noticed me, but I was behind you. And, um, and I just wanted to make sure you knew I was there. And I was like, first of all, that's not a real reason, but your intention was good. Like, I was like, okay, like, if it was like a friendly honk, like, hey, the light's been on for a second, not two seconds. That, that's like a double honk. There's no Morse code that's going to talk about honking. It's a double, yeah. yeah. The beep, beep. You yeah. know what, though? I think that what we did with text, because this was a problem with text, you don't know the intent behind text because there's no tone. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we invented something called emojis. So yeah. why don't we have emojis as horns? So like, LOL face, like honk, honk, like a positive honk. Or like yeah. a thank you, or like a get out of my way honk, an angry honk. There needs to be, yeah. don't Teslas like fart and make different noises if you ask them to? I'm sure Teslas have like 20 million different honks. Yeah, that's what I want. Even like a thought about, like a triple means something, like a double is another one. The only ones we have right now really are like one, and then those obnoxious people who hold it for like ten seconds, like Nyeh! and ah, those are the those are the those are the most petty people. Who the Longhorn people? Oh, they nasty. There's also the beep 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 kind of is like, for me when I do a beep beep that means like it's you're friendly. you're about to back into me like oh. beep beep I'm here. Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. <laughs> Living in Vancouver, yeah. we have a lot of people that try to back into you, so you get used to that beep beep like. Don't go, stop, please. That's true. I mean, a lot of people are beaking on their way to their hikes. I understand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so here's something that nobody's thinking about in quarantine. The cheaters, the cheaters are suffering. So yeah. there's a woman in the UK, she posted a message on her Facebook that she's suspicious her husband is cheating. Why? He stopped shaving his hair down there during quarantine, but he started shaving again now that he's going back to work. Oh. And he's not in porn. At first, I was going to say, didn't we all start stop shaving a long time ago? Down there, under there, up there, like all over there. Well, actually, I started shaving more because I was doing the cyber sex and oh. like the videos. So you, you know, yeah. you get more up close. <laughs> yeah, you got to look good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's cheating for sure. Like for sure. For sure. Like we, we're all on board with this one. You don't mind, but remember that show Cheaters? Uh, he's, he's come on Fox, whatever. It was that weird dude. He looked like a loser, but he would, he'd rock his weird glasses and he would go around the city and like track down people. You remember the show? Cheaters was I the best because they would get caught in the weirdest places, like fucking in a boat that's not even in the water. <laughs> and you'd be like, what? <laughs> no, nah, we're having that land sex, but on a boat, you know, girl? That, that, first of all, that's a terrible first date. <laughs> But that's like, yo, I'm taking you to the fanciest places, yo, royalty. You see, what do you mean? We're going to Burger King, like, ah! Like, that's what that sounds like. We're going to fuck on a boat? <laughs> and, it's, and, it's a, and it's a dinghy? Nah, son. How about a boat in the Walmart parking lot? Ew! Yo, I think the reason why I bring this up is because that was a legit reason. I remember a couple of times on, um, on the show Cheaters that ended up obviously being the guy was cheating. But this woman was cheating. And the reason why the guy knew is because she was like, he's like, man, like she started shaving down here. And like, she knows I'm a seventies man. And I was like, Oh shit. I was like, okay. I didn't realize that was like a big thing, but it happened again in the show. And I'm like, all right, if you get some weird, some weird hair down there. 
Well, yeah. what is what is the current trend though? Because I've been out of the game for so long, and Jason <laughs> is not into vaginas, but like it mm-hmm. used to be Brazilian. Does it like change just like women's body shapes changed? You know, there was heroin chic, and then there's curvy, and now there's Kim Kardashian. Like, is that what it happens with pubic hair too with women? First of all, I think if you found somebody who is that obsessed with the way your hair grew down there. Yo, that person is a loser, a full-on, <laughs> full-on loser. First of all, I mean, you should you should be able to talk about it, but you, like, but I have no authority over what you're gonna do that down there for dates and whatnot. Like, yo, do what you gotta do. I've always been a man of being very appreciative if a woman is gonna let me do anything. So, I'm I'm definitely come from that camp of things. I'm like, yo, we gonna do this? All right, cool. That sweet. This is awesome. I think the second someone starts making all these weird rules for like, yo, do you mind just like, I want a landing strip. What? Yeah. Can I get like, and I don't mean any particular, but can it be no wider than two inches? Cause like, I mean, I just want to, you know, I want it to be clearly marked. I, I think when we get into that sort of territory, hey, have those conversations with the person, but at no point in time should my input matter on, uh, on down there. I think you should be vocal about it, but yo, you have veto power, so you know? Right. Smart. Don't lift it. Look, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> but but to I, answer, I I, trends do change. I, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends. They're all over the place. And the gays trends change too. Like now, the hairier the better for gays. And it's like, I'm not a hairy guy. Like, I don't, I'm a 12 year old. But you know what the sad part about it being a trend is that you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for other people. You're right. Um, yeah, but that's everything though. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I don't do my hair just for myself. I did my hair so I look good. Like, I wear nice clothes because I want to look good, and it feels good. It's kind of a, it's both. It's both if we did it for ourselves, we'd all be six hundred pounds drug addicts. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, but when exactly. it does come, but when it does come to like waxing, like nothing feels good. So like honestly, in like a perfect world, I think you wouldn't do anything at all. But then you don't want to get that crazy and out of control. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I. I'm very much a fan of whatever the woman wants to do. And I've only heard rave reviews from laser, so. No, let's get it all lasered off. Forget, do it for yourself. Yeah, it's, do you have the, a few thousand dollars? It's the most hassle-free. Yeah. Um, listen, if you put a GoFundMe up for like, yo, Jenna's pussy needs to be smooth, <laughs> that shit's getting mad. Yo, you're getting that in no time. We're doing that. Valentine's Day. We're doing that. That's our Valentine's Day promo, Thank Lauren. you, Oren. That's genius. Thank you. you. know what? And now that we're not on the radio, there's no fucking rules, so we can do that. <laughs> no rules. What's this, what's this called fun me for? Yeah. You remember Jenna Mo? Yeah, yeah. She's on the radio. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out she wants her pussy like a cue ball. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we wanted Homer Simpson smooth. All right, okay. All right, let's do this. Next yeah. with Homer Simpson's three hairs. Gotta get rid of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's those three hairs? <laughs> That's, yo, you said a whole new trend? Oh, I love this. Yeah, okay. Board, be though. careful in public wa- washrooms where the toilets don't have lids. A new study found that flushing the toilet can release a cloud of coronavirus-infected poo droplets into the air, and they can linger long enough to infect other people. Oh, my God. So what's crazy about this is when I went home, and, like, my dad is a big man. Like, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. And, like, being honest, he's disgusting. I don't know what <laughs> men eat and what their intestines look like that makes you, like, spray paint with it on the back of a toilet. Like, it's just <laughs> gross. But anyways, he's, like, so he's like so paranoid recently when I went, because I went home to live for two and a half months during COVID, 
that he's yeah. like, make sure you put the toilet down before you flush. Make sure you do it. And he was so avid about it that because I was like, that? what? And he goes, because the poo particles go everywhere if you don't put the toilet down. This is something I learned a very long time ago. That the corona or no corona, do not flush your toilet if the lid is not down. Just don't do it. The way in which our toilets work, it will spew it into the air all the time. Also, if you can, keep your keep any think about your toothpaste or your toothbrush and your flossing, keep it in the cabinet. Don't keep it exposed because it should get everywhere. If we knew how filthy our houses were from it just from a lot of things, but really from the toilet, you lose yourself. You would you would not be okay with it. And also, this brings up two pet peeves of mine that I have. Actually, maybe three. First of all, who's using public public toilets at the moment? They're not open. Don't need to do it. But like, that's, that's troubling because my mom is sixty five years old, and God bless her soul, she's in the greatest shape. But she has to pee like twenty four seven. So there's you, old people out. Like I was in Walmart. Sorry that they brought them up. <laughs> Walmart. Uh, wait, are, they, are they sponsoring us right now? They should be. They won't after this one. <laughs> no, give, put in a good word for us, Oren. But in all due respect, like this elderly woman walked up to a guy that was putting groceries away and was like, hey, is your, are your washrooms open? And they're like, no. And I was like, that's not fair to elderly people, little kids, mothers. Like, you need to keep those open. You should be washing your hands anyways, leaving the washroom. Maybe just disinfect them more often. I don't know what it may be, but we need to have open public washrooms. Like, what if I'm hungover and have to puke? No, I'm, I'm with you on it. Because in Toronto, like, there's none that are open. Like, that's right. the one on the beach the other day, and I was, like, ecstatic that it was open because we're at the beach. Like, we need to use the bathroom. Uh, so I was ecstatic about that. But it does bring up two things. Sort of related to this sort of thing. I, it's the pet peeve of mine if your bathroom doesn't have a toilet bowl cleaner, just a little brush that's on a stick, the, the, the lollipop stick, whatever it is. If you don't have one of those in your house, listen, it might happen that I might have to go number two in your house, which it is not favorable to either of us, but it might happen. You know, it should happen. No pun intended. And so I, I, I need there to be that because that way, like they have it everywhere in Europe, they have it everywhere in Asia for the most part too where you can just like do a little thing. And it's also brings to another point. Last year, I bought a bidet. And let me tell you, greatest thing I've ever bought. You don't have greatest one of Japanese of... talking ones. So I mean, I've been to Japan and I've experienced the, I've, I've experienced the highs of highs. This, this one's kind of janky, but it works. They're no, crazy. No, those Japanese bidets are nuts. They have enough pressure that, like, the first time I didn't, I was at my friend's house and she's Japanese and, like, way more Japanese than I am. And I was sitting on her toilet and I didn't know how to flush it because, like, it's not very clear the directions. And I pressed a button and, no joke, I shot so quickly off that toilet as, like, it yeah. I must have put it on super soaker mode because Which I was like, just had an enema, an aqua and enema. And also with the Japanese ones, too, especially the higher ones, they have different uh, positions of the of the spout. Because if you're a woman, you want to clean your vagina, it can it moves forward. And if you want to clean your bum, that's another one. Yeah, it's, there's different. It moves differently. It shapes, it shapes differently. Yeah. So you're telling me these Japanese bidets I wouldn't need to douche before a hot date. That's um, exciting. Yeah, might. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, that, that's what I'm saying. That's my seal of approval. <laughs> Now listen, Warren, though. Trust a straight man. But yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm trying to change the tie. I don't want him to hang up on us. Um, but no, but like the one you bought for at home, is it not? Yeah. There's no pressure. Like, so then does it even clean? Because I imagine you need no, no. pressure to like get the. To yeah, get it out. So it's, um, <laughs> it yeah. 
no, these are very good questions, and I don't mind being graphic. This is what what the deal is. Um, it was like forty five bucks plus tax. There are nicer ones that uh, basically the same function. Tushy is kind of the biggest brand right now that does it, created by two Canadian sisters, I believe. Um, and so it takes no time at all to install, and there is a ton of pressure. In fact, on the one that I have, it goes up to ten. One and a half, one and a half is enough to like lift for lift off. It is there's so much pressure there, and like there are some pros and cons with when they're really really high end ones. They have features like heated seats. They also have like heated water, which is good because with the one that I have, your water is basically at room temperature, but that's only the water that's been kind of been sitting in the tube for a bit. The second you get to the water is coming through it all, then it gets like freezing cold. It's just cold ass water on uh, on your booty hole. But it's 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 good, man. Like the temperature is is good. The pressure is solid. It is such a good product it is such a good so, like you know how a lot of men spend like a lot of time in the bathroom in the morning so now how much time are you spending have you tripled your time no because remember how much time men spend on the toilet is how much they hate their wife that's the rule that it's always been you know <laughs> uh, no nah, i'm quick I'm it quick. probably helps it probably speeds up your time my big yeah, question good. about bidets, we were talking about the splashing and the germs, is like yeah. if you have a really messy shit and all of a sudden yeah. you start hosing it down, is that not going to go everywhere, like all over your cheeks? Then it's on the inside yeah. of the lid and it's like a mess. So, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not a poo scientist. I, 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 I didn't finish that degree, unfortunately. I mean, you guys know that. Um, I went to the Harvard of poo degrees. But, right. um, so what generally happens, is that almost all of the debris, there's very, very little shrapnel that goes elsewhere. And mostly those go into the bowl and whatnot. Um, there are gonna be times to do an extra wipe here and there, but for the most part, for the most part, it does get into the bowl. I can't speak for everyone here, but it, it, even with the messiest of messiest, it, it's, it's not everywhere. It's simple, it's simple, and, you're, I mean, and, you're, and you're not really wiping after you're dabbing. Yeah, so this is another section of what's happening. Toilet paper use has not gone on to zero. You still need a couple squares. And it is important that you are like dabbing around and making sure you're actually getting getting right, in, right, right, at, right, at, the, right at the money spot. So you gotta make sure you dab that at least. But if you're gonna come back, you know what reminds me of? You know those like always panty liner commercials where they yeah. dab with the blue dot? That's all you get. You just get a little bit of the blue stuff. You're like, ah, oh, I'm good. Like there's nothing, it's locked away. You're good to see. <laughs> Now, was it the lack of toilet paper at the beginning of quarantine that inspired your bidet purchase? It was not. But did you read that Medium article on why that happened, on why everyone's kind of freaking out about toilet paper and whatnot? Did you read, like, because the reason behind Because I had to do with, like, just, like, comfort stuff, right? So, I mean, maybe that was a different article. The one that I had read about the simple consumption and why everyone was going crazy for it was basically because most people have at least one of their poops at work. We're at a different place. And so now that you're having it more at home, you simply need more product. Sometimes almost double the amount of product. So it's not that you're buying, it's not like everyone's ravaging for this. There was a big part of it can be attributed to the fact that, yo, you're just pooping more at home. Well, try being a chick where now you're peeing and pooping at home, which is, we See? use double the amount of toilet paper. It's crazy. It? And you don't have the girlfriends to take into the bathroom with you, which is, I mean, that's a big part of peeing. So, you know, like... Right, you don't, exactly. have, you don't have your girl being there. Be I've like, been hey, peeing lonely for months now, you know? <laughs> said, okay, yo, that, that's the new idea. You need to you need to create an app called Girlfriends. Um, <laughs> and, and then 
on this app, you, as you go into the bathroom, it connects you to another one of your friends who's also going to the bathroom at the same time. And then it can be either for like actual peeing or like just for conversation. Right. But, and, and it locks you out. There's only like a 15 minute or 10 minute like time you could talk for. Right. And then you go into the bathroom pretending you're with each other. Oh my God. Um, do what you got to do and then you leave and that's it. That's the entire interaction. Right. Clean that's, your keys off our, and go. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's the, no, that's the upgrade. That's you got to pay monthly for that service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you do have, before we go, we let you go. You do have Yo. a comedy series that you're doing on, uh, it's called Zoom with Comedians. Zoom with Comedians. Yeah. And so it's it's a it's a really wonderful thing and i'm really happy i found this it was created by a friend of mine costed costed um is a comedian but he works more in, in sort of the corporate sector but he sort of assembled um a team of really lovely really thoughtful people everyone in the group is funny but i think i'm the only like, true working comedian per se um but everyone else is really funny and thoughtful so i have somebody who works in educational like um uh tech education we have uh, an engineer on there we have uh, a marketer and all these sort of things and we come together and we really talk about everything we talk about nothing it is a show truly about nothing but it's something we do every week just to kind of you know kind of what you're doing it talk about the i was world, gonna say well if you need two podcasters it. to come on and join the come group room? you know That's you know it. where to find us we talk about I, nothing all the time that, yeah so i i, I love, really love doing that and obviously since i call it the great awakening that we've sort of had as a country and also as as america fully starts to burn and really come to grips with its uh with its past and with its current and everything else uh we're dedicating the first 45 minutes of every show to talking about injustice talk about um ways to move forward it's just we're really trying to push the conversation and it's been wonderful because we have like we have people from corporate america and corporate canada in the audience like my buddy who works for a company his owner was there in these meetings and i'm just going off on white supremacy <laughs> and like, basically is boss actually hear me you know talk some truth and so right. it's been it's been a very cathartic process as well because as much as we want to post online and think that that's the bit that we're doing all literally all of the hard work is still yet to come we're so in the infancy of how we're trying to change minds and and really really trying to make this better a better place for everyone to be and a lot of the minds we need to change are the ones in those big corporations because that's what systemic racism is a lot of people don't understand what systemic racism means and i go it doesn't mean that this person's inherently racist it means that they've been taught to be racist without their knowing that's what systemic racism is right racism percent yeah and also like where does like what are all the systems that are currently in place that prop up what's happening, right? Are, what are we teaching in schools? What's our judicial systems like? The police, how are we, how are we spending funds? The media. Oh the my ones God. actually, like the ones controlling the message, a lot of them have no diversity in there, even in a very diversity like Toronto. Yeah, like uh, what was, what's Ben Mulroney's uh, wife? Yo. She, she like lost this show and everything else because she's low-key racist or high-key racist, I guess, making threats to other people. And I'm thinking to myself, she had a show called I Do Redo. You know how many times my black ass has pitched the CBC on progressive, fun, dope shit? Right. And she has a dumb ass show that I gotta, I gotta pretend is good. If I have to watch another episode of fucking... I don't know, Murdoch Mysteries, where there's nothing black on TV. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. I'm not gonna burn the CBD down to the put CBC down to the ground, but 
I was like, man, when's the last time you saw anything good, progressive, gay? Like, when was the last time I saw any of these sort of things on the CBC that was true representational of what's happening in society? And they have billions of free money every year to spend on bullshit. So right. I, I feel like Jessica Mulrooney was that chick because she's friends with Meghan Markle. That's like, well, I'm my best friend's black. Ha! Like Yo, you, you, you know she said that. You know she was like, well, like, my friend's like a duchess. So like, And whatever. she's like the first black royal ever. So like, you know, I'm not racist. Think about how tone deaf you have to be as a quote unquote celebrity to threaten someone of color online simply because they asked what you were doing. <laughs> to, push, to, to push the message of being like, yo, what are you going to do? Even, even just to show that you aren't racist. Yo, it's like, I'm gonna give you a little, I'm gonna give you a freebie. Yo, just, just like, yo, just say, something positive black lives matter say this say that you don't even have to believe it you know i'm giving this whatever and she was like no that can ruin my brand yo fuck that <laughs> bitch Re replay this replay i have no problem saying this shit out loud because i'm just right. i'm just kind of done with the way in which media treats people like this it's crazy well, and i think we're crazy. done with being silent and you know like ours this episode was there was no intent but this is your platform and i said this to you when we were messaging back and forth i said it's your platform do what you want yeah. like this is my job is to give you a voice. And that's what being an ally is, is to give people a voice and no one to shut the fuck up. Totally agree. Totally agree. Listen, Jesus was black and gay. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I'm sure of it. No straight guys are that nice. <laughs> <laughs> and has that many, and has that many friends. And definitely not committed to anything like right, he was. So. No, uh, Oregon, not. thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you follow him on everything. Obviously, we'll tag him in everything. And uh, yeah, you always have a, a place here. I appreciate you guys. Are you guys going to watch the new uh, season of, um, of RuPaul in Canada? You guys watch Drag Race? Oh, That's yes. My, uh, my brother is Tainomi Banks. And so I, oh! Uh, yeah. What? So it's, it's, yeah. So she, do you mean I feel actual like brother win. or do you mean like the way black people say it? <laughs> No, no, no. My dad married his mom. He's, he's oh, wow. Yeah. You're yeah, older. He's older, ago. right? Yeah, yeah. A few years older. Your older Two brother. Years. Oh, yeah. shit. So, that's why I'm going. Are you guys doing a companion pass? A companion podcast is what I want to say. Oh, Most. and you know what? We're going we're, we're gonna to get him on here, too. Yeah, yeah and you're going to help us. Now yeah. now <laughs> it's on live, so it's going to happen no matter what. Sorry. Listen to me. I, I, will, I will try. I saw him this past weekend. He was like, he was, he was everything, so it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you stay well during quarantine. Tell yes. that beautiful fiancé of yours congratulations. And thanks I so much for doing this. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the platform, and thanks for being awesome. Cheers. Cheers. All right, y'all. Bless. Cheers.